church. <laughs> About four or five weeks ago, we got a phone call from our middle son. And it pulled the rug out from underneath of us. He's overseas, and he got himself into a situation. Believer. And so what I usually do when I'm struggling, I ask the Lord, give me a word. Give me something to anchor me. Give me something that I can meditate on day and night that will keep me and hold me. And it's usually something very short that I can say over and over again. But this time he led me to Psalm 23. That is not something that is short. But you'd be surprised how I've learned to memorize that psalm. And I find comfort in that psalm. And I find strength in that psalm. And so before I start, I want to look at David's life. I want to be sure that we have in the forefront of our minds what his life looked like. When he looked back over his life and he wrote Psalm 23. So if you just bear with me a minute. David was the youngest of eight sons of Jesse. He was born in Bethlehem and he was from the tribe of Judah. As the youngest son, his father appointed him to be the shepherd of the family's sheep. And during this time, David developed his skills for music and fighting. Those words, uh, uh, years were suddenly when Samuel the prophet showed up to anoint the future king of Israel. Now when Samuel showed up and he spoke to Jesse, and he invited him to come. He, he came under the, the disguise of, I'm, I'm coming to offer sacrifice for the Lord. Because he knew if someone I'm here to anoint the next king, he's going to kill me. The Lord said to him, okay, then go and offer sacrifice. And so that's how he approaches it. Uh, I come. They don't even bother to invite David. He's not even a thought. He's not even a blip on their screen. He's out with the sheep. So we know when Samuel shows up and, and he sees them, and, and God's very quick to tell him when he sees the first one, don't you, I'm paraphrasing today, don't you worry about it. He says to him, don't you pick by appearance, because outward appearance, that's how man does it. But I choose by the heart. I look at the heart. And so he looks at all seven of those sons as they parade him out, and he says, is this it? Because he's not here. And he says, well, the youngest is out with the sheep. Samuel says, we're not starting. We're not sitting down and 
killed his fear. Scripture says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Just like our family of origin and the way that people have seen us and the way that people have interacted with us has shaped us, it shaped David. Saul was uh, king over Israel at that time, but he was rejected by God because of his disobedience. And Saul began to experience spiritual oppression, and David was uh, recommended to play music for the tormented king. Your gift will make room for you. You don't have to fight. You don't have to try and position yourself. Your gift will make room for you. Saul quickly makes David his armor bearer. And David continues to alternate between the task of shepherding his father's flock and his position as armor bearer for King Saul. And it's while visiting on uh, the battlefield where his brothers were. Uh, that he fights Goliath and wins. And he's hailed a hero. And even though Saul will appoint David as the commander of his armies, David's popularity grows and Saul becomes very jealous of David, and he tries to kill him. He throws his javelin. David moves. And David continues to fight on his behalf. He continues to be the commander of his armies, even though Saul continues to become more jealous and more paranoid about David, and he continues to pursue him tries multiple schemes to kill him and finally David has to run and he has to flee and David will spend years, years running from Saul uh, I think it's like 13 years I'm anointed for the future king and I am running for my life at one point David goes to the town that Samuel's in and scripture doesn't say this but I'm pretty sure this is what happened what was that about? You anointed me. Ever since you showed up, everything has gone downhill. I am running. You said I was going to be king, and I am running for my life. I'm living in caves. I'm hungry. I'm asking the priest, you got any food? He's giving me the bread that was for the priest to eat. David will continue to flee from him. He finds refuge living in Philistine country, the country of his enemies. He goes to Gath and he asks the king. And the king allows him. He gives him the ziklag. He lets him stay there. left, he took, took his mother and his father uh, to 
so that they would have the protection of the king. You think he didn't have worries? You think he had an easy life because he was king? Sometimes we look at people's lives and, and we don't realize what it has taken to get them where they're at. He had a difficult life. While he's there in Ziblag, do you know the story where they come in, they raid the, they raid the town, they take off all the women, they take all the possessions. He gets back. Everybody's mad. They're blaming him. They want to kill him. One thing about David, he always asked the Lord, what should I do? Should I go to battle? And every time the Lord said, go. Go. But he never went without asking. David's pursuing to get his stuff back that's been raided, Saul and Jonathan get killed on the battlefield. And so now the king is dead. Twice David could have taken Saul's life. And both times he would not touch God's anointing. Even though it meant for him hardship, he wasn't going to take it into his own hands to get himself to that place that God said he would poison, he would put him. So now the king's dead. You know what happens? He gets anointed to be king over the tribe of Judah, but not the other tribes. This is not a time of peace them. The tribes are split. And now there's going to be infighting. It's still not a time of peace for him. It was uh, Saul's one son that they put over the other 11 tribes. And they finally um, assassinate him. And then the leaders come together and they anoint David as king over all the tribes. And now what was uh, division has been brought back to a united kingdom. Now, I want you to think his life got easy because if you read, he was constantly at war with somebody. Constantly at war with somebody. But I want you to listen to his family. For us who have families that sometimes seem a little bit out of control and a mess, well, listen to David. Um, David's son, Amon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. Tamar's brother, which is another one of David's sons, because he had many, he had quite a few wives, and he had children from different ones. Absalom, he killed Amon. That was his response. Absalom later would revolt against his father, who was king, and David would have to flee, and Absalom put himself on the throne. Then civil war broke out again. And it wasn't until Absalom was killed that David.
they're the ones that had to write for pain. There was three years of famine. How heavy was that crown? Then in the end, as he got older, he had another son that tried to take his crown. And that's when he put Solomon. He selected Solomon to be king. So I know it's kind of, but the reason I wanted to do that, because I want us to have that back of what David's life entailed and what was it like when we hear him speaking through Psalm 23. I'm going to read it straight through, and then I'll come back, okay? David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David understood the role of being a shepherd. But he writes this from the standpoint of, I am a sheep. Sheep are unintelligent animals. They have to be cared for. They have to be taken care of. They need a shepherd. They have to be guided. They have to be protected. They have no way of protecting themselves. They don't have great eyesight. And David is saying, as surely as those sheep needed a shepherd, I need a shepherd. But it's not just any shepherd. It's the Lord. Lord who spoke everything into existence. The Lord who knows the end before it begins. The Lord who stopped the sun and who shut the lion's mouth. The, the Lord who parted the Red Sea. I shall not 
only way you can say, I shall not want, is, is if you understand that everything you need is being provided to you by the shepherd. The shepherd is the source. He's the source. The only way I can be contented and at peace is if I pull down my flesh. It says that he restores my soul. Scripture says, he made me, he makes me. You know, sheep don't lay down easily. Uh, the shepherd has to have certain conditions uh, addressed in order for sheep to lay down. And the same thing is true about us. In order for us to truly be at rest and at peace, we have to quiet do it confidently with great trust if I understand the shepherd, the Lord. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. They know my voice. He also says, I am the door. I'm the access you can't get in any other way. And everything you need is accessed through me. You want the kingdom? It's through me. You want the promises? It's through me. Everything you need, the shepherd has. He's not a resource. He's the source. I was thinking about Martha and Mary. I was thinking about Martha and Mary. I got it here somewhere. And this is what, um, remember the story of Martha and Mary? And uh, Jesus is there with the disciples. And Mary is the hostess with the mostest. And she's just moving, moving, moving. She's preparing. She's getting everything ready. She's just working, working, working. Okay, she starts off real enthusiastically. Okay, but after a while, she starts to wind down. She's getting kind of tired. And finally, she says to Jesus, doesn't it bother you that I'm doing all the work? Tell my sister to help me. You know what? Martha is tapped into the resource. You know resources? They deplete. She's tired. She's worn out and she's weary and she's looking at her sister, resource. 
that's a resource for me. Tell her to get up and help me. You know what Jesus says to her? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was concerned because her resource, just the physical resource, was depleting. Resource has an end. But Mary chose the one necessary thing to tap in, to sit at the feet of the source. So, as we are going through, know this, that the Lord will take care of your spiritual needs if you sit at his feet. If you understand that he makes you lay down because he understands you're weary, you're tired, and your resources are coming to an end. But I have what you need. Don't go looking for more resources. Go to the source. Go to the source. That's the beauty of uh, of, of what Jesus, uh, of what um, David said here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will learn to be content. When our eyes are focused on resources. We become discontented because we don't think we have enough or we don't have the resource we want. He makes me lay down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. Jesus said, come on to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to me and I will give you drink. anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's a, there, there was an incident that happened in 2005. There were a group of shepherds and they all t- had taken their sheep and, uh, out into a, 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 um, a pasture and they went to eat. And while they were gone, one of the sheep, just one, it only takes one, they were on like a, a bluff. There was a cliff. One sheep jumped. 450 sheep died that day. They couldn't stop them. Once one went, the next one went, the next one went. They lost 450 sheep that 
question is, who are we following? Because the shepherd will never lead us astray. It's for his namesake. It's his honor. It's his reputation. He will always lead us. But we have to know that we need to be led in good times and in hard times. Sometimes I think when we get in the good times, we we take our foot off the gas and and we just coast. Just coast. We need to be led all the time. We need to be at his feet all the time. We've got to be in the word, meditating all the time for times such as this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this is gloomy. It's this, the valley is the lowest Everybody loves to be on the mountaintop. Woohoo! Everything's great. But you don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. You gotta come down the mountain, go through the valley, and then you get to go back up. So can we go through the valley without fear? Couple things. First of all, he didn't pitch a tent. The valley is not the final destination. Keep on moving. Don't sit down and have a pity party and get all into your emotions. Poor me, poor me, poor, poor, poor me. Don't allow your thoughts to uh, uh, take over. shadow has no substance. A shadow can't hurt you. It's an image is something that's somewhere in the vicinity. It's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. And let's talk about talk about death for a minute. Scripture says that Jesus conquered sin and death. Scripture says, uh, I believe it was Paul who said, death, where is your sting? Death is not a final place for us. It's just transitioning to something so much greater. So much greater. There will be no more weeping or tears. There'll be no need for a son because 
the glory of the Lord will shine brightly. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. This is what the Lord uses to keep me on the right path. This is what he uses to nudge me. Come on, come on, go for it, go for it. When I'm thinking, uh-uh, because you know what? I got poor eyesight, and all I can see is these shadows, and they look scary to me, and I'm not going. And he says, you have nothing to be afraid of because I have my rod and my staff. I, I, listen, David was a shepherd, and he killed a bear and a lion that took one of the sheep. He said, I took it out of his mouth. I grabbed him by the beard, and I took it out of his mouth. You think the shepherd isn't going to watch after you after he laid down his life? The good shepherd gave his life. He purchased and bought us. We belong to him. Our lives are no longer our own. He takes great pride and great value in us, and he's not going to forsake us. He is going to tear uh, loving care, affectionate care, meticulous care. So he'll use that rod and that staff to defend you and to protect you. He'll use the, the, the hook on that staff when you get yourself in somewhere that you shouldn't be. You know, the berries in, in, in uh, you, when we moved out to Inlay City, they had wild raspberry bushes. And so we'd go out and pick berries, and those things would get, you'd get tangled in them, you know, the, the thorns. Well, when those would get into the thicket, you know, into, into brush and into places with thorns, he used his hook to draw them out. You know when a, uh, a mother would get uh, separated from, her, from the lamb, you know how the shepherd get them? taking care of us with such tender, loving affection. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. When I was younger, 1986, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I just hungered for the word, hungered for the word. And when I would read this, I, 
bad, but this is what I'd say. I love that you prepared a table for me, but I don't want to eat in front of my enemies. And you know what it was really saying? I'm afraid. There's no way I'm going to sit down at a table and eat in front of people who are against me. But David says, you prepared me a table in the presence of my enemies. And I can just see that table now. You know, the tablecloths out, the fine china. It's got every kind of food you could imagine on there. 12-course meal. He's saying, laid back, kick back, relax, and enjoy the food. Eat. Before, it would have been like, uh, give me a piece of bread, and boom, I would have been running. No, you don't have to sleep. What scripture says? says resist the devil and he will flee we don't have to flee the shepherd is with us I fear no evil for thou art with me your rod and your staff oh they comfort me so go ahead go ahead prepare that table in the presence of my enemy let them watch what good care you take of me let them See how the shepherd takes care of me. But <laughs> he says, you anoint the woman. That talks about, every, every commentary I looked at talked about healing. Okay, I'm going to give it to him. It's, okay, it's healing. But I'm going to go out in left field. Why? Because that's where I dwell. Okay, I'm a left field kind of girl. And uh, you know what I hear? The oil of gladness. It's the, for me, okay, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a theologian, and I'm not in line with the commentaries right now. But I'm see how the Lord is speaking to me. And he says, I've given you the oil of gladness. I will replace your mourning with joy and gladness. You know what the kingdom is made of? Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what's in the kingdom. So when I spread that table out before you, I want you to know that I am supplying you with grace, with peace, with joy. You go through like that. That's contented. Contentment has a facet of joy in it. I to be content. It's not just peace. It's a, it's a combination of peace and joy. So I'm spread this great meal out in front of you, and I've anointed you, and I'm going to say, I've anointed you, yes, with healing. He has to heal our souls, right? Uh, but it is the oil of gladness. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of gladness. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is with the ability and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is the healing. I'm going to give you that, but I think it's so much more. So then he says, my cup overflows. You know, there's enough in your cup for more than just yourself. It is overflowing. Look at your overflow. 
Don't catch your overflow. Even when you're going through, you still have to be able to minister. Even when you're going through, you still got to be able to give a person a smile. Even when you're going through, you still got to have peace and joy so that people can look and see the fruit. And then they praise your Heavenly Father. How we go through matters. It so matters. Just finish this up. Just think. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely. No doubt. Surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me. They will pursue me. I see them taking over, just tidal wave. Goodness and mercy. Everywhere I go. Regardless of the situation or circumstances in my life, I know this, that goodness and mercy are running me down. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever in his presence. I will be in his presence forever. I'm in his presence now. Sometimes I can be a little disjointed. But what I'm hoping you hear today don't settle for a weak link. Because no matter how many resources you have, they're never going to be enough. We need the source. Can you with David say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want, because he is the good shepherd who understands all of my needs, who understands the needs of all of my loved ones, who will take care of, Shepherd didn't only take care of the sheep, job of management. He's got to manage the pastures. You see, a sheep, if they're left in one pasture too long, they'll, they'll make it a barren wasteland. They will eat not only the grass, they'll begin to eat the roots. And then there's nothing left. He knows when to move you on. I know we hate to leave what's familiar, but that's what the shepherd does. He guides us and he, he leads us and he knows when the time is to move us on. Your life, the life of, of, of sheep, 
depends on the goodness of the shepherd of who is taking care of us. But there is no shepherd like Jesus. There is not one. He is the, there's only one, good shepherd. Don't forget to sit at his feet. your eyes and take a moment 